Hello and welcome to Groovecast, the podcast for the rhythm section with me Ashley Walker and me Charlie Smith. Um, and in today's episode uh, we're going to kind of be talking about recording and touching on some things that we might have talked about before and some new stuff in the pipeline. Um, but first off I think we need to uh, sort of say thanks to everybody who's watched um, our last couple of episodes with the great Steve Pierce. They were pretty cool, weren't they, Charlie? Yeah, what an honour to uh, get a session legend on uh, on our porky little podcast. Yeah, and um, we got some great stories out of him and some advice as well. Um, so if you haven't uh, seen that uh, those couple of episodes uh, already, definitely go ahead and check them out after you've listened to this one, of course. Yeah, naturally. Or before, if you're going to listen to this one, but you have to promise to listen to this one. Yeah, come, come back. Don't forget. Um, yeah, so in today's episode, um, we're going to talk about, uh, as I said, recording and um, for me, kind of the writing and recording process, because as Charlie's aware, we've uh, well, you've been part of is working on my next sort of album and solo project um, and as part of that um, sort of process we did some stuff uh, that I haven't done before which was kind of coming coming up to you and recording in person which was really cool and exciting yeah playing producer <laughs> yeah for a little doing, bit doing the little George Martin bit yeah hey play that there no not that that <laughs> the round uh, thing yeah Thankfully, unlike some of the stuff that uh, Steve discussed in his uh, yeah. in his interview, I don't think you were quite as bad as some artists could not, be. N- not exactly Abbey Road, but maybe Shabby Road. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. Might might be taking that joke out afterwards if I'm yeah. too cringe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, why don't you uh, dive into sort of your, you know, if you sort of on this topic of current projects and and obviously this new album in the works is probably one of the biggest projects you've been doing of late so why don't you sort of dip into where where that all sort of started and and getting it to the stage it was when I first heard it yeah well as um we've talked about on the pod uh, on the podcast before and uh we've put links to it and everything is uh, a couple of years ago, I did an instrumental album called Straight Talker, still available uh, on all the usual platforms. <coughs> Sorry, something in my throat there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and that was obviously done during, as you know, during the one of the lockdowns and remotely and um, not really intending it to be an album, certainly to start with, it just sort of happened um, in the end. Um, and then sort of around the time, at the end of that album, I already started writing just while I was in the flow of it, some other original tunes and kind of minute long things and grooves mostly. Um, and then uh, after once I, I think it was around just over, uh, just over a year ago now, I actually released Straight Talker fully. Um, I wrote it about a year before and then released a couple of singles and then finally got it released last year. Um, and then once that was released, I started kind of really working on um, doing a, another original album with some one like Straight Talker trying to get some live players on it and um, with yourself in mind and our friend Ashley Squires as well, who's uh, based over here um, in Lincolnshire. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so that was kind of the start of it. And I think, I'm not sure, I think on my YouTube channel, which hopefully you're watching this on, um, there are a couple of short um, sort of instrumentally tunes on, on my YouTube channel that possibly might be making an appearance on the album albeit a little bit longer and slightly different this time around and with yourself on drums um <laughs> um so yeah and then obviously as we've again we've talked about on the podcast i've been away a lot on the ships and doing that kind of thing so i've not been able to unlike the diff one of the main differences is of uh, unlike straight talk whereas that was kind of written in a bulk kind of period over the course of a month or whatever with this one it's kind of been ebbs and ebbs and flows sort of writing a tune or two then going away for three months and listening back to those two tunes and then changing your opinion on it the whole time thinking oh that sounds great and then a month later going oh i don't like that now or and then coming back and writing another two tunes and um and so on and so forth and um but yeah so in the summer of last year i had a session with as i mentioned ashley squires and put some guitar on which he came over here for so that was like doing the in-person thing and then I think I sent over you some of the tracks and um so you could get some ideas for what uh you know what you thought they needed and then um we I sort of I think um sort of gave you a kind of idea of the sounds that I wanted and I think one of the main things going over to yours with the tracks was sort of working out the drum sounds and i know we worked on a lot of different snares and stuff and yeah um yeah so over to you for sort of your uh yeah so <laughs> so my kind of process if you like was was as you say you sent a few a few of the tunes over i don't think i got all of them i just i think i got a, a smattering of uh which i had a little listen to um and yeah my sort of way of working was was to kind of have a listen and, and just quick 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 chart them out you know sit here with a bit of manuscript paper and literally just write an arrangement chart it just says an a section a b section what happens if is there any little figures that i need to try and catch uh that i would write in is there any initial thoughts that i might go at the ride symbol there or i might uh, a fill in there or there might be a solo here or whatever it may be um and little dynamic things if there's a fade out at the end that i need to know to keep playing through uh so that you can fade it in post or also if there's you know like anything quiet sections more dynamic sections crescendos everything like that i try and put onto onto a chart and then that's my kind of I would just think of it like a roadmap. So it's like if that's the roadmap of that song and how I get from A to B is what we work out when we do it. You know, <laughs> what where we where we start and what you know, what you might be hearing or what you've put on the drum machine on the original that you then go, Well, I liked some of that but I didn't like the way it was doing this mm. and then we try and get something together. And then yeah, as for sounds, um, I mean we're I have a pretty small recording setup. It's not a it's not a very spacious studio, as as you well know. But you know, I've got. I think I think at the time when we were doing your your session, we probably had eight snare drums in here to choose from, um, which I would call enough. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, you know, we just for different things or you know things like wood shells, metal shells, vintage ones, um, some ones that will give you a bit of a brighter tone, a darker tone. And I think for most of your stuff, we kind of settled on on four drums. In the end, mm. I think we settled on uh, this uh, maple craviotto solid shell, which is my kind of favourite for recording anyway. It just gives a really nice, all-round, tight sound. Uh, and then we put a really heavy DW edge on that we tuned well low to get that really 70s sort of fat thing going, which I know you were a big fan of. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that that got quite a bit of use on a few tunes, and then I think there was one tune that we used an old Ludwig on just for something different, and then I think the couple that were you were kind of going for a Tony Thompson chic sort of thing. We got um, I got a brass seventies Gretsch out and tuned it up a bit so it had a bit more of a, a bit more of a pop to it, and so I think that was sort of the sound snare wise that was the sound uh, bass drum and toms we didn't really change uh, too much and i think for the most part the cymbals were pretty consistent i think we might have swapped the ride cymbal out a couple of times or yeah put on um some uh, sizzle cymbals with rivets in or little odd <laughs> effects things and and that was that was about it sound wise so really for y for your stuff it was a fairly straightforward you know, you weren't after a, a really dead drum sound or a really jazzy tone or anything. You were just, you wanted a nice sort of classic bass and toms. And, you know, nothing too far from the ordinary, which was which was good. And, I, you know, I swapped, I swapped the kits around in here occasionally. So, um, but for your stuff, I put up a kit that I kind of knew would be cover everything, you know that would just whether we were doing retro -y stuff or quite modern stuff i could i could get what i wanted out of it so that was that was the, the sort of my approach to getting a getting a setup going and and getting it getting a sound in my head but obviously i didn't know what you wanted to hear so we you know we had a lot of conversations yeah well one of the things that was um great about <clears throat> recording in person doing all that was and what's funny about it is because as uh i think we've touched on before and um again is i think on your youtube your youtube channel and on mine are some of the other projects we'd worked on in lockdown together and um with i mean with my album and again with this one it will be sent off to be mixed and mastered professionally and, and all that kind of thing but um sort of but with all those other projects, it's obviously been us doing a rough mix and stuff. And one of the things I kind of, after having done the session with you, was working on sort of filters and, and compressing compressors and stuff like that and kind of getting back into the flow of what I did used to do on, on some of the projects we did. And I think one of the things I did straight away was sort of fatten out even more like the snare sound and double track like the snares and the and the kick drum just to give it a more all round and then panned it like to just to give it a more uh, thicker and full sound and um yeah as we've uh, sort of been talking about before recording and stuff like some of the stuff is just um just 
captured that especially with some of the tunes that kind of late 70s sort of steely dan chic all that kind of uh thing just right off the bat and one of the things that i was just thinking about myself which might be an inside sort of tidbit thing um but you may correct me on this because i know you're very knowledgeable on this is uh, something i was reading about the recording thing is um on i think it's they say on apparently on like staying alive and on some of those quincy jones michael jackson things that they did was like they'd get a bar of something that jr robertson would play uh on one of the tracks and then they'd just repeat that groove over some of them so in the verses or something it would just be the same two bar yeah. phrase or four bar phrase being played over like making and that's a how loop, they got basically. the sound yeah yeah and i mean the, there's a great example of that is um electric light orchestra don't bring me down yeah that was jeff lynn took a drum loop put loads of reverb on it made it sound really massive and then laid 10 guitar tracks down all doing exactly the same thing then added the bass and everything else but it was all based around a two bar loop i think from another song that he was working on and he just took those two bars looped them round and put loads and loads of um, processing on them yeah, you know, and this is still analog days, so it would have, you know, it probably would have been a tape loop, you know, an analog effects and everything to make, to get that sound. And I think yeah. at the time, I remember hearing in an interview, I think the band thought he was nuts, didn't know what he was working on, until he laid all the harmonies on, and it kind of then sounded like a song, and not yeah. this weird riff that he was working with, you know, down, 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 over and over again. Yeah, I mean, well, he's one of the great producers and sort of innovators as well. But it's like, um, yeah, I know with my last album, obviously it was a lot of lo- mostly loops and uh, software stuff. But and it's like that I was kind of again getting into the flow of the recording with you and then doing rough mixes. It's like it's some of them have got that more sort of rough light back throwback to the 70s some of those things like the funk brothers and stuff are all recording in, in one uh, studio which is obviously like sometimes like the dream thing it's not done as much these days i don't think but yeah it's, um, a, it's, it's a shame it's gone that way because there is nothing like doing it on the on the floor you know and especially you know getting to play getting drums and bass down i think on the floor is a, a really nice thing to do and it's not you know even when i do the dainties albums we, you know it's not we never do that you know it's always i'll be playing with a click and a guitar a, you know a rhythm guitar and a, and a guide vocal that's being played live in the control room but there's no bass on there there's no it's that sort of as stripped back as you can get it's just me thrashing away with a click track going you know piling down my uh my cans <laughs> and, a, and a guitar and a, and a bit of vocal and that's it you know, and basically, when Martin's doing that, he he's talking me through the song as we're playing it. You know, mm. he's telling me we're going to go to a chorus, or we, there's going to be a there's going to be a piano solo here eventually, or there's going to be a something going on. And so it's all that happens. You know, it, where you know, especially with the sort of stuff you do, it would you know, one day maybe it would be really nice to be in the same room at playing together at the same time to get that really th- that feel you know that you yeah. just can't quite get you can get pretty close but you can't quite match 
you know, that you're going to go for something and I'll be going with you, or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, um, that's like one of the sort of the, the tiers that it goes in. It's like the first, the most comfortable, and as we sort of talked about in the Steve Pierce thing with the, what people like him ended up doing in the lockdown and as what we started on and what we we mostly do is like record home recording and just get your stuff sent over and you're in the comfort of your own studio or your bedroom or whatever a garage and just you can record that way and then the next step up was like coming either ash squires coming over here recording or going to his and then going to yours and then like it was like you say it's like you can get somewhat close because well, like with the stuff that you played as you know it was like all the way through each it was it wasn't like although we did a tiny bit of cutting and splicing certain things to try out different fills or whatever it was all like one take straight through and then and then like doing the post-mortem after yeah um yeah but judging which bits <laughs> were, were worthy of being kept <laughs> yeah um but yeah one of the cool things was as well i mean and that's the thing when you're writing the tunes and as you say you have a an idea in your head of what you want them to sound like or um especially when you're just working them out as you go and then and then you get other people other people playing on it and they might hear it differently and um i know that's something i've talked about before with people is sort of them saying oh you know this i'd probably play that differently or whatever and and then you, you kind of go oh, yeah that is right and like with the stuff on this album, there's a few section. There was a few sections that I weren't wasn't uh, weren't particularly happy with, um, like coming out of solos or whatever. It didn't sound organic enough yet, or like a- as it would sound live. And then getting you to play the drums on it, and then just the amazing thing, like what a fill can do, or a fill that you played that went like as you say with the what the bass was doing, or what the guitar was doing, or the keyboard and how that could just make that section suddenly, ah, now that feels into place now. You know? Yeah, and I suppose as well, the there was a few times, I think one definite occasion, where, you know, where we what we both heard were pretty different, but we tried them. And, you know, I think there was one occasion you were pretty set on there was going to be a fill with a crash symbol. And I, and I just said, well, what happens if we take the crash symbol out and we don't put one there? And we don't put a big fill, we put just something really simple and leave a bit of space. And it's something you hadn't sort of considered when you were you were writing it because you thought, well, Phil has to fill the bar, you mm. know, most of the time. But leaving a beat of space or a, a breath before you do something can actually really, for me, it's a good way of putting something like tension and release into, into a piece of music. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's like since um it's amazing as well after then having stuff like yeah there's one of them uh on the on the album of like a real sort of 70s disco i think it might be one of the tony thompson kind of influenced ones and bernard edwards and like just coming it was one of those things again coming out of a solo and leaving that gap and it now since um uh since recording with you and then kind of trying to redo some of the bass bits and because um, most of it's in demo form at the moment still and will get redone and and, and get sort of permanently put on. But So it's kind of trying to redo some of the bass things and try different things. It's amazing how much now what you've done influences what I play and now I hear the solo totally different. Or And coming out of like that solo with that gap, just it makes... Ah, I think I'll play a slide there instead or I'll 
or I won't I'll try and get hook onto what your drums doing there and you can totally influence um, the other way I hear it and it and change it well that's the good thing about doing it this way that it's you know sometimes when you do remote recording or at least when I do everything else is set and then they just layer my part in you know if they if it's a if it's a, a singer songwriter who's laid the piano the bass the drum uh, the guitar the vocals and everything down sometimes even harmonies and then they come you know this happened last week with a a, a dainty thing and then i laid the, the the drums down and the guitar solos were laid down at the same time that i was laying the drums down just here and then the guitarist was doing it in his studio and then it all went together but the guitarist didn't know what i was playing i didn't know what he was playing but what was already done was pretty much set in stone was what was going to be done on the final recording whereas with you it's more of a like we said before it's a working version that you're there's bits that i might put on that we decide later on you know you listen back to and you think oh i i'll do i, I would do that a little bit differently now you know knowing or you know you've sent me little mixes back where you've changed a few things around that you've done and i go oh well now you're doing that i should be doing this <laughs> you know and it's it's going to be that constant back and forth of of trying to match match things together and you know the tracks lower they were they were good when when you were up there's you know there's definitely going to be a few that will get done again on my end of things between now and when they all get sent off to be uh mixed yeah and i mean like as well there's there's still uh stuff that needs to go on some of them as you know like the keys and uh and, and sort of brass on some of them and vocals and on a couple of the tracks and so then there again there'll probably be another change there one of the things i know that we're that we've uh talked about ourselves and is going to be happening as well is then having another session probably for percussion and um and then again that'll influence as you as you said like the drums and probably well, the yeah, bass and everything as well definitely if we're laying percussion on stuff there'll be things i'll decide i'll you know i might say to you oh well that 16th note hi-hat thing will make will make that eighths or even quarter notes if we're putting a shaker or a tambourine on because otherwise it feels like it's too much of of that thing and actually it's a it's something i much prefer is having a 16th note played by something else and then the hi-hat can sit back in a bit just to listen to it sounds some some 16th note hi-hat things can sound for me a bit frantic Mm. They can sound a little bit rushy, and it's hard to pull them to to sort of sit, especially when you're trying to make it a laid back kind of groove. You know, people like J.R. Robinson are the master of making sixteens feel, you know, as laid back as you can get. You know, just because of the way that he play he, he plays them, and so trying to get a little bit of that in, and you know, you've seen my uh, my room full of random percussion instruments and bits and pieces that can be called upon for 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 different things and and so yeah there'll be all sorts of stuff we might try out you know i've heard of uh i was talking to a a, a drummer recently and he was on about a lot of sessions that he does he ends up laying down like a a, a baron irish drum alongside a drum track not that you're going to hear it in the final mix, but it just adds a bit of a low-end rumble. 
you know, to to lift the track. And I thought that was a really clever idea. Mm. You know, and just little things like that that you you know, I, I I'm sure you're the same. I'm always trying to learn and pick up little ideas and little tips that you think, oh, I'll I'll use that at some point. Yeah, I know one of the things I, funnily enough, I think we're giving out some really interesting little tidbits here and behind the scenes. One of the things I um was uh, hearing about the other day was on uh, the Pet Sounds album, which obviously everybody sort of knows how um well revolutionary and uh, trying different things and weird things on that album. One of the things they got in uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice was Brian Wilson wanted a really fat, Badum sound to kick into the verse, I think, and Hal Blaine wasn't kind of getting it as the way he was hearing it, and um, so what? Uh, something I'll forgive him for forgetting his name, but the with the percussionist or one of the percussionists on that session did was play the timpani along with the floor with the toms and the to fatten it out, and it's like a timpani on a pop like song or like certainly at the time a pop song, and it's like and it sounds great and. You'd never kind of maybe not know that, but it's one of those things that you try and, and it's it's exactly what he wanted. Yeah, same with uh, the Beatles. Um, I nicked a really big trick from, funnily enough, Paul McCartney playing tambourine on um, on the Hey Bulldog sessions, I think it was. Um, and he, he had two tambourines and he was bashing them together. Which you you look at that and you think that's going to be pointless, but it's when you try it you go actually it really bigs the sound up. So funnily enough, on the last Dainties album we put some tambourine down, and I got two tambourines, just to fatten up the backbeat, and it works. You know, it's a really interesting way of of doing it, and I think I've spoken about it in one of my um, uh, one of the Dainties Diaries blog posts that I put up um, about those sessions. And I went into it a little bit more of how I used that particular technique and where I completely ripped off the idea from. Uh, and there is there's, just, there's some great footage of Paul McCartney in the studio. I think he's got two Ludwig tambourines. There was a brass one, which was really heavy, and a and a wooden one. And you could just see he had tight tea towels wrapped around to stop blistering on his hands. <laughs> um, and it was like, that, and it was seeing that kind of thing, and you just you just think, oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that, you know, you you. you you know, there's a million ways to play a tambourine that you don't realise until you start trying to find different different sound avenues. And it's, it's that same thing of how can you make this sound a bit more unique, you know? Mm. Because there is, you know, not to sound... It can, it can sound a bit predictable putting a tambourine on something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That everyone's just going to play the same pattern. Yeah. And loop it for five minutes. So actually being able to, to do things slightly differently and change patterns. I like... My favourite thing for tambourine is, is offbeats, you know, two and four maybe on on a verse, and then putting it up to full eighths or sixteenths in a chorus so that you go from that sort of subtle just with a snare drum to getting a full... A broad sounding tambourine. Hmm. Yeah, and I know that it's funny like you were saying about the sixteenth note thing on the with the tambourine. I know that's one of the things that you mentioned when we were recording because obviously, with it being a sort of like some of them being really seventies influenced, there's a lot of that going on. 
I mean, I know, I know on one of the tracks there's sort of a ta- uh, triangle thing that's sort of one of my favourite of all time sort of disco sounds is that open and close triangle thing. Um, but yeah, I know on one of the tracks in particular you said about, I think the the, the hi-hat doesn't need to be doing that here and it should be a tambourine, I think. I think like because yeah, I think okay. one of them, one of them in particular, that on the software thing, there already was a tambourine doing it as well, and it just and you so and I, like in the whole mix of it all, it just sounded fine to me. And then when you soloed it out and and showed me what it sounded like, it's like oh yeah, that's totally clashing. And like and and just and being able to play it live as well, like you say, you can just play around. And and I was like yeah, that's totally right. And you even mentioned that you quoted, I think, was it Steve Gadd who was the same or. Did a session yeah, I, and... I, I heard a, a story of a, a Steve Gadd session. I can't remember where this came from, so I, apologies if it's someone who's listening. It was it was them who told me it because Steve um, Pierce. It <laughs> might it could well have been a Steve Pierce or a Neil Wilkinson story, but um, it was a, a they'd heard about him doing a session for someone, and this whoever it was was hell bent on getting sixteenth note hi hat. Absolutely needs to be that, and there was a shaker going on, and the shaker was. Sh- was already laid down and playing the, the the beat one as an accent so one and what he said to them is he said shift that along so it moves the accent to the two and the four so to fill that space out and then he said i'm going to play quarter notes and i went no we want 16th notes but he said let me play quarter notes and if you want 16th notes i'll, I'll do them after you know we can do it again and you just went and you just laid down really simple quarter notes and it sounded great and they they went oh that's it you know and it's because <laughs> he'd moved the accent of the shaker so that it wasn't accenting the downbeat it was accenting the upbeats and i was like that's really clever mm. you know it was just he could hear that and he just had to cuz the thing with being is like when you're at that level of session session musician it's all about diplomacy <laughs> Yeah, you've got to be diplomatic in how you tell someone, you know, to try this maybe or to, you know, because you don't ever want to turn around to anyone and go, I think this will be better. But you can go, why don't we try doing it this way and then doing it another way? I mean, I think as well, the thing is like on, I mean, so, like these guys like Steve Gads and your Steve Pierces and, and you know, whoever it is, like on these big sessions, it's obviously big money things and like the ones we were talking about when it when you do have several people in on the session and uh, as steve pierce was kind of telling us about um on the on the last episode about the sort of pressure and the weird energy that goes around with it and um so yeah it is it can be more like that i mean and then like the project that we've been working on in my album it's it's a project of love <laughs> it's like is that, uh, is that is that the album title now is it yeah is that what project. you're gonna call it the project of love making love yeah. <laughs> no. <Alpass>. Um, <laughs> um yeah, but it's you know, it's one of those things where it's um you know, it's whatever really and we're going and recording with you, it's just like it's at this moment it's a side project that could potentially be really cool and, and lead to some stuff and but it's um you know, like it's so totally open to interpretation, man. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you know what, that's what makes it easy for someone for any of us who are working on it for you it's it makes it easy that you're open to that you're not really close-minded of it must be exactly what the drum machine played or the the guitar part that you already put down 
as a guide, that's all that you want to hear. You know, yeah. So when someone comes in and goes, well, why don't we try this? And as you say, it can completely change the feel of a piece. Just one little adjustment for better, you know. Yeah. Might not, and that's okay too. You know, if we try something and it doesn't work, that's that's fine or as well. Yeah, I mean, and I know. Um, thinking as well of like the experimental things that um you were saying as well and trying different things was on one of the tracks one of the vocal tracks um trying to get a bit sort of not psychedelic but the sort of steely dan or sort of um um can't think of the word but uh you know like one of those tracks where it's like written about something and you're trying to sing it in a sort of character or whatever or like to suit the song and i know there's in one of them there's um a sort of line in it that um is really like about what the track's about and i was trying to get it so it sounded like a group of different people but it's just me singing it but i'm trying to like make it sound like loads of different people so i was like looking at some of those sort of pet soundsy things and beach boys and beatles stuff where like i know some of them and and the 70s stuff that they try stuff like pinching their nose or whatever or trying to sing in a deep I know McCartney's done stuff where he's tried to sing in a deep, gravelly voice because that's not usually not what he sounds like, and he tried to sound like someone else. So, um, you know, if you listen to the album, see if you can work out which track that is. <laughs> where I'm yeah, trying to a, sound the, like. There's a game for for everyone to play. Barry White. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's 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 good, and it just things like that. You know, we pulled out. You know, we've we've got little samples of different things that you could use elsewhere. Like we took samples of my brass ship's bell being hit yeah. with a hammer you know just because there was somewhere on the album that might fit with something that you'd put down and we said well we'll do it and then you can play with it later you know yeah. stick some reverb on it or i don't know do whatever you want i'll just real the word i was looking for was concept a con like a concept piece <laughs> avant-garde avant-garde yeah psychedelic baby yeah <laughs> like my shirt but yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but since you brought it up, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so fingers crossed that that, that album should, um, well, certainly starting to release a couple of the tracks uh, early summer, maybe. Sort of yeah, July, some, June, July this year. time. Yeah, sometimes, sometime in my lifetime. Yeah, sometime in the not too distant future. Is that vague yeah. enough for you? Yeah, sometime after this episode is out. Yeah. Well, yeah. On that kind of so, on that note, we could sort of uh, we'll wrap this one up a bit, and um, and yeah, go and check out Ashley's album if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, and also, if you want to hear some uh, some of the the dainty stuff we were talking about, the Dainties have got a new album out as well called "You Belong to Blue," available over on Bandcamp. And uh, of course, go and check out any previous Groovecast episodes that you may or may not have missed, or either on YouTube or listening on spotify apple podcasts podbean and i believe we're also on google podcasts now oh oh and i reckon um possibly when we um release this episode we can release a couple of um photos of that session uh at yours and, and maybe i'll release some stuff of me recording this although although i know i won't be releasing the bloopers just yet i have recorded some bloopers of me recording this album <laughs> which will need to be bleeped out oh well i'm sure sure we've all got something to look forward to there then <laughs> um 
yeah, and then obviously next episode is our last one of um, of season two. Yeah, we'll hopefully have to. Uh, I'd love to say we've got something special planned, but we haven't <laughs> got that far yet. Yeah, take it each episode as it comes. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, thanks very much for listening and for watching. If you're watching on my YouTube channel, and um, we'll see you next time on Groovecast. See you later. <laughs>